stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right... They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws NOS, energy drink sprint cars. As always, from Dirt Vision, my name is Rob Blount, and joining me to my left, back in studio this week, is the PR god of the World of Outlaws, Mr. Nick Graziano. Guess Nick? who's back? Back again. <laughs> Nick is back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. How was your time back on the road? It was awesome. Yeah. I uh, definitely enjoyed being back out there for sure. So, But it was different this time, though, because you weren't um, just following the series around and writing post-race recaps and doing tweets, and, and that's very much minimalizing what the PR director yeah, does for about, the yeah, series. But um, you did uh, very much different stuff as you were a... Honorary crew member for the week with uh, Bobby Pierce's late model team for the first week of the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I think I he gave me some pretty good uh, crew member stats to go off on. Uh, we won the first two races. That's not he, bad. Yeah, I finished third, uh, third night. I think second the next, and then ended up fifth the final night. Uh, ended up as the champion for the first week of Summer Nationals. So I'm a, a you could call me a championship uh, crew member. You know, so I'm ready to hit the tour. <laughs> That's just one week of the Hell Tour. Though, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, let's send you back out there and then see how you're feeling come uh, August. Yeah, well, at the final night, uh, we had to rebuild the uh, right quarter of uh, the car pretty much. Might have slapped a wall a couple times, but you know, well, he, he was going was for Fairbury, it. Yeah. Right? yeah, so yeah. I mean, it, it was expected. I kind of figured yeah. that was going to happen, but... You know, bloody hands, late nights, uh, a lot of work, but it, it was still fun. It was definitely a really cool experience, a good time. So what exactly did they have you doing? Like how, when, you, when you're an honorary crew member, how hands-on were you? So they actually let me do a little bit more than I even expected. I, I wanted to get as, I either, I said, basically either uh, keep me out of the way or give me something to do kind of thing. Like I don't want to get in anybody's way, but, you know, I was taking tires on and off, maybe checking air pressures for them, uh, cleaning the car, mud scraping, um, uh, banging body panels back into shape, and uh, I'd say probably what was it, Saturday night was probably the busiest after Fairbury. We were, like I said, we were rebuilding pretty much the whole right side of the car, uh, riveting and bolting and making new holes just to put a bolt somewhere just to make it work for the next race kind of deal. Uh, so it was pretty cool. It was a really fun experience. There's learned a lot for sure. That sounds uh, riveting. You can still see, I popped one of the blisters in my hands already. I still got some of the dirt in my nails, but I got to clean that out. <laughs> really? You're just going to ignore that really great riveting pun? That's that's screwed up, man. All right. Oh, I see how I, it is. L- listen, I was up at four in the morning to fly in today. I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's jet lag. It's jet lag. Yeah, yeah. I know. I see how it is. I mean, it was really bad, but I was expecting to at least be told it was bad, not just, damn. All right. Um, so well, that's tweet, cool, though. Tweet Rob and just let him know how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's totally fine. I, I expect it. My jokes are awful, and I know it. Um, but I'm just trying to keep up the legacy of one uh, Ross Weiss, who uh, are dearly departed to a different job, Ross Weiss, um, and his awful dad jokes. Um, got to keep the legacy going forward. Yeah, you, you know? got to try. You got to try. Yeah. Hey, you want to know something? I do. I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, you know, that's really bad as a writer to only know 25 of the 26 <laughs> letters. I'll say that, too. Wow. Oh, man. They've never caught me for two years. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Um, you obviously have experience as a, a former racer yourself um, of working on cars in, in some capacity. How much do you think that helped prepare you to do 
this story this week uh, and the experiences that you had with Bobby's team and, and how difficult do you think it would have been to execute this idea otherwise if you didn't have that experience? Oh, yeah. It, it was key. Uh, I think if someone who had never worked on a race car or worked on anything or is, hasn't done manual labor would maybe struggle a little bit because it's, it's, there's no room for error doing this and especially uh bobby's dad bob um who's in the hall of fame for late models he, like he he knows his stuff and he's the kind of guy that if he says do this you do it and you better do it right or he's gonna get a hundred your ass pretty much uh it, it's going in get the tires off how, how to do that right it like you know making sure you're not stripping bolts and things like that and just how to get the body panels right and just just all the little things and just the uh the the process of it and just the the go 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 like on a night working as a pr guy sometimes it can feel like you'll drag on a little bit you're just waiting for races to go on but as a crew member you're always working you're always going in the rush the night goes way faster than i think some people realize for these guys because you're just always go 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 doing something doing something working and just knowing what what you're even working on to begin with uh why air pressures are in this spot or why this they're just being able to recognize things as every now and then like hey is that supposed to be like that i don't think that's supposed to look like that I'm like oh yeah 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 it's just knowing those little details that are definitely a big help and just just knowing what you're doing in general it's very very cool um cool experience that you got to have it's cool uh listening to your experience on that another thing that was really cool that happened this weekend is uh it finally happened i got to see it too yeah, and yeah you were there the you... one the one time i didn't i i, I missed uh, one of the summer national races uh, uh to help out a friend and i to go to be at dubuque uh i was there for donnie's 300th win incredible donnie shots joins a very exclusive club becomes the third man to win 300 world of outlaws nos energy drink sprint car features got it done friday night right yes we raced thursday yes. friday saturday instead of a friday saturday sunday weekend friday night dubuque fairground speedway dubuque iowa awesome race by the way um and man when Carson Macedo slowed on a backstretch and brought the caution out as Donnie is in the center of three and four with the checkered flag in sight and he sees the yellow instead, you're like, oh no, here we go again. It's really going to be taken from him again. But thankfully it wasn't and he got it done on the green-white checkered restart, held off James McFadden and uh, what a what a cool night. The... Um, the amount of emotion that you got to see out of a normally stoic Donnie shots was just really, really cool. It was, yeah, it was really cool to be there and just the atmosphere of it. And yeah, so fun, another funny story about uh, when that caution came out. So um, Tony Stewart Racing had all of this uh, like banners and posters and hats made up for his 300th win. And Donnie, I guess Donnie's a little superstitious about all of it. And so they didn't keep it in their hauler. They kept it in the Sprint Car Command Center. So like whenever that the time came, we had to rush it out there and get it to him. Um, so I was there and I helped do all that. And I was, so I was waiting. I was on the backstretch with everything, waiting uh, to run out to Victory Lane. If you got it, um, on the banners you had to write the track name. And uh, so I, it's one to go. You know, he's he's coming down the backstretch, going to three. I'm like, oh, he's got this. So I go, I rip everything open. I right, hurry, right, Dubuque Speedway. I, I apologize, Donnie and TSR team, mate. Dubuque Speedway chicken scratch that I wrote on there. I, I saw it after. I'm like, oh my god, I can't. I should have went slower. I, I didn't realize I had more time than I did. But so sorry about that. Like Arabesh. Right yeah, oh man, for those that don't was, know the official language of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arabesh, it probably looked like that. Yes, exactly. So you know, I get all that. I write it down, and I, I'm ready. I've got everything in my hands. I look up, and I see yellow lights on, and the cars are still. I'm like, wait, what just happened? And I'm like, you got to be kidding. No, no way that I just get all this stuff ready and this just happened. No way is this about to happen right now. But luckily he finished it and everything worked out. And I mean, you get McFadden and I think it was Sheldon make it three wide underneath him into one and two on the restart. And, and I think McFadden kind of knows ahead of him a little bit. Um, but Donnie powered back by him off of off the cushion. And you're, you're sitting there for a second and you're like, he lost it. It's it's happening again, and then he powered back by, and you're like, "Oh, I, I think I think he might actually get it. I think he's got it." And he's still, I mean, 
we just had a caution on the white flag lap in, the, in three and four. You just didn't feel good about it until he actually took the checkered flag. And then our, our general manager of Dirt Vision, Jim Chappelle, goes, well, he's still got to cross the scales. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, it's still not official <laughs> yet. He had to say it, but no, yeah, but it worked out, and just man, a ton of fun. I, I got to say, I think my favorite part of the post race interviews was uh, when Dave Reef brought over Donnie's dad, and Donnie's dad says, "Well, he hasn't embarrassed us yet." <laughs> well, <laughs> so funny. Well, also they say oh, he's a better pilot than the driver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, funny. What a cool night. Yeah, very, um, very cool. Just a very, very cool moment. Joins obviously Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell as the only three drivers in the history of the series to score 300 or more feature victories. Um, just the absolute elitist of the elite club. Uh, is what he just entered into and obviously was already there with 10 championships, 10 Knoxville Nationals titles, and multiple Kings Royals. He didn't need win 300 to put him in the elitist of the elite clubs in sprint car racing, but it's just another thing to to hang off of his uh, off of his coat rack there. So really, really cool. Um, you know what's not cool right now, Nick, is the, the weather. It outside. is pretty warm. It is. Just it is the exact bit. opposite of yes. cool. It is. It, it's actually hot. Uh, hot as balls. It is hot as balls, and summer's coming, uh, and those balls are only going to get hotter uh, because those hotter days are just around a corner, which is crazy to think about because it was like 95 on Saturday, but it's still only going to get warmer. So we would recommend that you keep cool with the help of our friends at Manscaped, who just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. Yes. 4.0. Compliment your summer grooming routine with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas, so join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code OPENRED20. It is the goat of all men's body trimmers, the lawnmower 4.0. You can get that in addition to the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer uh, and a variety of other uh, fun little... Uh, Helpful stuff that, wow, I just like completely lost my train of Very thought, helpful which stuff. is crazy because I was reading and lost my train of thought. Uh, you get some crop preserver deodorant, which is very important as the temperature keeps climbing to keep yourself smelling nice, uh, and more in the performance package 4.0. Uh, plus, you get a really nice travel bag to keep everything uh, nice and compact and, and store it all together. So, go to manscaped.com, use the promo code OPENRED20 to get yourself 20% off plus free shipping. Stay fresh this summer and shine with Manscaped. Now, moving on, one thing that we haven't talked about yet uh, is our guest this week. Uh, our guest is the owner of Houston Speedway and the Jackson Motorplex and uh, the big game motorsports team for David Gravel. Uh, his name is Todd Queering, and we thought he would be the perfect person to speak to this week as the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars are at the Houston Speedway uh, tonight as we record this, uh, Monday, and tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, and then they head over to Jackson Motorplex Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the Agco Jackson Nationals, all part of the showdown week. Excuse me. So we found it to be the perfect time to talk with him to uh, try to basically just find out how this event came together and what you all can expect as you head over to these two beautiful facilities for five nights of really fun racing. Let's get to it. Let's do it. Please take the name or number. And joining us today, we're uh, very excited to have uh, Todd Queering on. Todd, obviously, uh, owner of Jackson Motorplex, Houston, and uh, Big Game Motorsports. Todd, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, so why don't you uh, kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got into racing and just how you uh, grown into just become such uh, a strong, important entity in sprint car world. Well, we, I mean, we grew up around uh, Jackson, Minnesota, so we'd go to the races, you know, on uh, Saturday nights and, and, you know, as a, as a kid. And, um, you know, just, just basically we'd go to Houston's and, and Hartford and Red Devil Speedway, a little bit to Knoxville. Um, that was quite a ways away, four or five hours, but uh, it just always kind of just grown on us. Very cool. What, um, what drew you to the races? How did you get into just uh, falling in love with sprint car racing and wanting to be involved in it? 
you know, I think it was the competitive part of it. You know, we, we um, it, it, the competition and, and that type of, you know, really intrigued me, all the things that go along with it. And then uh, we just basically, you know, our businesses, you know, as they grew, we used it to market our businesses and, and, and that type of thing. And, and uh, we're still doing that with, uh, you know, marketing Houston Speedway this year on uh, David Gravel's uh, World of Outlaw team. All right. What brought you to the administrative side of the sport? You know, owning what you own between the tracks and the teams. What attracted you to that side of things? Um, you know, just the business side of it. I mean, it, the challenge probably more so than anything. You know, it, it's uh, business is challenging in, in general, and, and you know, the racetracks. Uh, you know, it's not easy to own these racetracks. It's uh, anyone that owns them or even if it's, a, you know, the fairboard or whatever, you know, it's a it's a huge challenge. And, and to, to successfully run them and, and have them be profitable is, is a huge challenge. I think that's what intrigues me the most about it. Obviously, you've turned Jackson and Houston into these uh, very nice, very state-of-the-art facilities. Uh, like you said, what goes into running the tracks and just making sure everything's uh, staying in tip-top shape and getting them to these levels and just making these big events? We have a really good team. Um, I, I have a lot of people surrounding me um, that manage and, and uh, manage the different entities we have in general and, and uh Doug Johnson is our general manager of both racetracks, and and uh, Ryan Kanigi has has been with me a long time in all our other businesses. He's working he's working on a lot in the racetrack side of things. And then my son Taylor is also very involved in it. But a great team, you know. It, it, I can't do it all myself, and I don't have the time to spend at the racetrack all the time. But they do a great job. So we're talking to you. It is just past noon Eastern time on Monday, day two of the showdown at Houston's. Uh, the the weekly divisions all ran last night on Sunday. Tonight is night one of two for the World of Outlaws at Houston's. Uh, you said before we we got a before we hit record at least. Uh, you know you're, you're running around getting things ready at the racetrack. What goes into getting your facility ready for? Uh, a big show like the World of Outlaws coming in tonight, and, and, and I guess even even more so, it's not like you've had a week of no racing leading up to it. You just raced last night, and now you're turning it around and getting the place ready to host fans less than 24 hours later. Yeah, that's a, it's this week's a exciting week. It's a huge challenge. Not only do we you know get ready for Houston's for these three days, you know, starting with last night with the weekly show and then build into the World of All Laws and then the Houston's 50. Tomorrow, we move everything to Jackson. You know, we, we take our whole team and move everything to Jackson and, and uh, duplicate that over there for three days. And there's a lot that goes into it. There's there's no doubt, um, you know, cleaning crews and food and beverage and that type of thing. So you need a lot of good people. There's always, you just hope that everything goes smooth. You know, it's our weekly shows are good, but you know when you're piling thousands of people in here, you know for these big shows, it, it changes the, the you know the whole landscape. Now, I was talking with uh, Brent Carter a little while ago, uh, earlier in the year, just about events in general. He kind of mentioned uh, th- this idea for the showdown that we're doing this year that you, you've had it for a while and something you really wanted to establish uh, between Houston and Jackson. Where, where did you come up with it and an idea like this and wanted to make this huge event kind of thing? You know, with, when we purchased Houston's, um, you know, I've always thought about, you know, putting on a week-long race, but it, it really makes sense. They're 70 miles apart. You know, you get the Sioux Falls, you know, the, a lot of, there's 300,000 people in Sioux Falls, so you have a, you know, built-in crowd. But not only that, people traveling from across the country, you know, we have a lot of people here starting last night from, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, you know, Iowa, the Knoxville area, the Dakotas. So, you know, just, it makes sense. People like to come out with their campers, their motor homes, um, stay for a week or, or even half of it, even the three days. And we're just hoping to continue to build this and, and not get on top, you know, the, of, of a lar- larger events that are going on across the country. We're kind of starting, you know, when I talked to Brian about this idea, you know, we thought start this in June, you know, and kind of roll into what they used to call the month of money. Now it's like maybe the months of money or the <laughs> two months of money. So, so I, I think for the drivers and the fans and, you know, me owning race teams and so forth, our driver, I mean, everyone likes to go to a venue and, and you know, less travel, you know, let, let's go and, and race for big money all in one week and bring all the fans in and then, and then move on down the road to the next venue. Uh, when you're looking at the data from your 
ticket purchasers, what was one of the locations that I guess kind of surprised you? Like, oh my goodness, someone's coming from all the way over there to check out one of our two facilities this week. You know, I guess I, I don't really look at that that close. You know, Doug and Ryan and those guys, you know, do the, the whatever the geo tracking or whatever. So I really don't at this point, I don't get involved in that too much. I probably will look at a year end report, but uh, there's people from all over the country. I know that for sure. Honestly, your brands have been throughout the world of outlaw history, just uh, the big game, uh, Killer Instinct, uh, Go Muddy. They've been on so many great drivers' cars, Sammy Swindell and uh, you know, Daniel Lasowski, also David Gravel, Change Stewart, guys like that. Um, what has it meant to you just seeing um, that be such a part of history and just these uh, big moments with, throughout the world of outlaws? Oh, it's definitely exciting. You know, the, the brands that we've built through the years and, and uh, you know, the, how we've marketed them through, you know, motorsports is one part of our, you know, marketing channel. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been good. You know, it's hard, hard to track, you know, the, yeah. the dollars with it, but uh, you know, to quantify that, you know, is always probably difficult, but uh, you know, we have, we have a little bit of a passion for the motorsports, So, you know, it made sense. So. And obviously, I mentioned David Gravel. He's uh, with your big game motorsports team this year, doing very well, uh, very successful so far. Uh, what, obviously, you guys had the connection over at CJB. Was that what helped uh, you decide to bring him over to your team this year? Yeah, David and I have been friends for you know quite some time. You know, when we were partners with uh, CJB, a marketing partner there, you know, I got to know David very well, and and uh, we've just always kept in touch, and and uh, you know in the racing world, you know, opportunity presents itself sometimes. And, and, uh, we both felt late last year, it was the right fit for both of us. You know, we've talked about it for a few years and, you know, it's just all about timing and, and, uh, you know, we kind of hit the ground running, you know, I mean, David, uh, Cody Jacobs, our crew chief, and, uh, you know, they're getting along very well and that's all part of it. I kind of let the guys do what they want to do with that, you know, just give them the right equipment and, and, uh, you know, basically let them do what they want to do. I, I, I don't really interfere with it. So I think that's a big part of being a car owner too, is be involved, but let your guys do what they want to do too. So. And what has uh, David brought to the team this year? <laughs> well, David's a, David's a heck of a driver. I mean, I think everyone knows that. I mean, his, his throttle control is, is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, you know, that's hard to teach. You know, Kyle Larson, you know, has great throttle control. I mean, we all know that. And that's a big part of racing, be able to run the top and the bottom. And, and uh, you know, David's really good at it. So um, he's, David's a good good demeanor to have around and, and uh, very good for marketing as well. I'm sure the, the goal entering this year, uh, to go for a championship and nothing less, and he's right in the thick of that championship battle. But as far as your your other goals that you guys may have set uh, preseason, is is David meeting and exceeding those goals so far? Would you say? I would say so. You know, I mean, I've never really been one to you know a championship. They just come, I think, if, if you win races. But honestly, myself, you know, and and I don't know how David feels about it and our crew, but. I would rather win races, you know, I'd rather win races and big races. And then if you win a championship, that's great too, but I would rather win races myself. So, and I think we're doing that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of competition out there, a lot of good guys um, right now. I think it's, you know, about as tough of a field as, you know, I can remember, you know, for a long time anyway. So. Did you have any, uh, I guess, long-term goals for that team? I know, obviously, it's done uh, kind of some part-time stuff with Outlaws. Now back on the tour full-time. Do you do you want to stick with the tour? Do you want to grow the team? Is that any kind of plans like that with that? Oh, we're definitely going to stick with the World of Outlaw Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're definitely going to do that. David and I have a multi-year deal, um, you know, that – the, the truck deal that David was in, you know, if something would ever pop up there, I guess we'd sit out and talk about that, you know, but uh, right now our plan is, is we have a, David and I have a multi-year deal and we're going to focus on the world of outlaws. Any plans on maybe bring on a, a second car or, or expanding anymore? Um, no, not really. I mean, we've, we've had two teams in the past and um, you know, I, I think one team is fine. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's there's advantages but there's a lot of disadvantages to having two teams also you almost kind of have to run them separately it seems like otherwise you know it creates conflict so just my personal opinion but one team i'd rather just focus on what we're doing right now and give these guys what they need to go win races 
This may seem like a kind of silly question, but I've been kind of wondering it all year because the obviously the the decaling, uh, David's fire suit, uh, everything on the car and with David has been pushing this week. So now that this week is here, uh, is the the look of the car going to change for the second half of the year? Is one of your other businesses going to go on it or the fire suit? Um, well, the showdown, we've been, we've been pushing that. So that'll, after this week, that'll go away, but Houston Speedway will probably will remain on the car. I mean, we have some other, you know, entities that we may put on there, but at this point, um, I, I guess I, I haven't really thought about it. I don't know what our marketing guys have planned for moving forward. I guess for as much as you can go into the business side of that, how does it, how do you come to the decision to the market, the tracks like that? Obviously it's something kind of, kind of unique. You don't only see yeah, on cars sure. and then people having the opportunity to do that. Uh, what, how does that uh, decision process kind of go into all the, instead of putting maybe these brands on, we're going to, we're going to put our tracks on instead. Well, first of all, our brands, um, we, we sold mainstream holdings in 2019 to a large private equity group out of New York. So I exit out of the sporting goods. So we no longer have those. Okay. So, you know, mostly uh, our businesses now are, are in the real estate side of things and, and, and that type of thing. So which don't need a lot of marketing. So, um, you know, is our thought, let's market the speedway and, and, uh, we'll just see where that goes. Who knows? We might buy a company next week. We don't even, I don't know yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, going back to the the action at your tracks this week, um, if a fan is going to one of Husits or Jackson Motorplex for the first time this week, what can they expect to see and experience at, at your two facilities? Well, they're both different racetracks for sure. Um, Husits is a really exciting side-by-side, small bullring type uh, racetrack creates a lot of a lot of really good racing i mean lap traffic usually in about four laps you know and lap traffic is is pretty fun for the fans to watch and then jackson is is more of a it, you know it, we shortened jackson up about five years ago it used to be a big half mile now it's a now it's i would say it's a a medium so it's like a four tenths so um it races different it's a little bit rounder track um it races a lot different than like a Husits. so um they both put on very good racing, though. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, obviously, uh, the weekly racing from Houston on Dirt Vision has been great. And uh, The late model uh, street <laughs> stock race last night was awesome. You had like six cars yeah. under a blanket last night for like 10 laps. It was great. Yeah, that, that class is a it, – it's it's like no other car around. Um, it's a it's – a, it's only for Houston. You know, it's a Sioux Falls area as well. All they race them. And we get about 16 cars every Sunday night. And uh, they, they put on that kind of show just about every Sunday night. So it's really good. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. For those that don't know, Houston Speedway, every single Sunday night, you can watch uh, the weekly action uh, live on Dirt Vision. Uh, three divisions of racing, the uh, IMCA 305 Sprint Cars, the 410 Sprint Cars, and the Late Model Street Stocks. And the first time I heard Late Model Street Stock, I, I literally said to myself, what the heck is that? <laughs> and then when I saw it, it made sense. They look like late models but they in the front, but they also look like street stocks. And, I mean, Corey I is dominating so far, but every every week has been a show. He's got to come through the field. It's been a ton of fun. I know this is a sprint car podcast and like sprint car only and World of Outlaws only, but I just I needed to take a second to rave about the late model street stock class because it is so much fun to watch. It is a really fun class to watch, and, and it's uh, like I said, it's unique to the Sioux Falls area. There, it's like no other around. So they have their own set of rules, and that was way pre pre me yeah i mean they had that 25 years ago they had that class so and it's been exciting you know forever over here so and i know you talked about growing up going to like Houston and jackson is it is it kind of a sentimental thing to you to now own them but then also just see um be able to share that experience you had with other people now yeah it is it, it's uh I like the challenge of getting these shows bigger and, and better and being able to share it with, you know, people across the country. I mean, my goal is, is here is, is to either the corners, are, I don't know if we'll ever put stands on the corners of this racetrack, but um, just because of the mud and, and, and the debris and mm-hmm. stuff that, that, it, that it, that it throws up. But um, I would like to put another 10 to 12,000 seats on the backstretch here at some point as we grow this event. So um, that's kind of my plan in the next five years is to double this event and and seat 20,000 people. 
Yeah, that'd be great. I, I just, just kind of, you kind of, kind of almost answered my next question. There. Like, <laughs> yeah. obviously, uh, the Jackson Nationals have been growing and growing every year. Purses increasing, increasing. What do you have? Is there ever an end goal to it, or do you? Is there a milestone you'd you'd like to see that hit? Obviously, you just said you'd like uh, the amount of fan, more fans. But what what is your, uh, I guess, goal you'd like to see happen? Maybe whether it's just Jackson, Houston, or the whole showdown in general. Um, no, the whole showdown in general. Um, Houston's is the weekly show at Houston's is really strong. You know, for for fan wise, fan base. Jackson's weekly show is it, it struggles some. I'll be honest with you. It just the big shows are great. It's just the population and, and that type of thing. So, I think we're going to keep building. I want to keep building this whole week and keep it our week. Knoxville Raceway has been nice enough to take off for the Jackson Nationals. You know, which we get a lot of their cars and fans and so forth. Um, so we're. We're, we're going to try to stay on this date and this week, and we'll see how this week goes. We might tweak it a little bit, but uh, we'll see how this week goes. And just kind of going off of that, I know there's a lot of guys that run will run Hussitz, run Jackson, will run Knoxville. Is, is there kind of um, a team effort between you guys to kind of work together and just kind of make sure everybody can hit each race when they can and it works for everybody? Yeah, we don't – we, we work well with, with mm-hmm. Knoxville and, and the other tracks too, you know, right. Grand Forks and, and the other tracks too. We, I mean, there's no use, you know, battling everybody. We, we try to stay on our Sunday nights. And if we have a, a Saturday night event, it's probably just one, you know, and we talk to Knoxville about that and try not to step on anyone's toes. You know, we, I know John McCoy and, and, and Doug Johnson talk a, a lot. And I talked to John a fair amount also, and, and uh, just really try to, you know, schedule, you know, around each other. And we also have little packages for our drivers and things like that, that race both racetracks for weekly shows and, and that type of thing. So we try to work together. It's really cool. Cause that's something that I think is missing in a, uh, quite a few corners of the country. As far as the racing world is concerned, there's a lot of people that just love to schedule on top of each other and say weekly racing's meant for Saturday nights. And I'm going to go on Saturday night. And if you want to go to my track, great. If you want to go somewhere else, well, we don't need you then. And it's really weird how there's so much competition in that realm when i think it's better for everyone if everyone just works together i mean the saying is a rising tide lifts all ships right and you mm-hmm. guys are obviously proving that yeah i think it's worked well i mean we, we started that at jackson <clears throat> probably six years ago when we bought the track and you know we we um i don't think we've ever you know other than when houston was trying to you know run on top of people i don't think we've ever you know battled with anyone in the in the midwest here where we tried to compete with them on, on booking shows and so forth Todd, we're just about hitting the 20-minute mark of, the, of this interview, and I think that's a, a really good place to wrap up. Obviously, it's a busy day, busy week for you, and we just thank you uh, very much for taking this uh, amount of time out of your day to uh, to speak with us and, and preview this week's events. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate what you do, and, and uh, someday we'll have to get you guys up here. Oh, yeah, uh, that would sure. be great. Be awesome. uh, best of luck this week, and uh, obviously we'll be watching, and everyone that's going, hope you enjoy heading out to Todd Queering's fantastic two racetracks, Houston Speedway and Jackson Motorplex. Big thanks goes out to Todd Queering for joining us uh, today. Obviously, like we said there at the end of the interview, uh, as a track owner, it's a really busy time. Uh, a little busy week this week. day though. of one of your events, one of your biggest events of the year, uh, one of your biggest weeks of the year for him in this case. It's not just a one-day show like uh, most of our tracks have. It's it's for him, across two tracks, five nights of, of action, the biggest five nights that he's going to have the whole year. So big thanks to Todd Queering for joining us. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool uh, just to learn about what it takes to – own these tracks and uh, especially running big game motorsports the little details gave us is pretty cool about all that absolutely so uh before we continue looking forward as uh to the rest of this week we're gonna look back real quick at the weekend that was for the world of outlaws nos engineering sprint cars uh thursday night ran at 34 raceway in west burlington iowa friday night dubuque fairground speedway in dubuque iowa and then saturday night uh Cross state lines into wisconsin at beaver dam raceway so looking back thursday night first uh, the streak, it's ended. The losing streak, that is, for Brad Sweet. Yeah, his own streak. Uh, long by his standards. <laughs> not, <laughs> not long by many the, other people's those standards. Those long nine races. Yeah, but it's over. The The nap 49 for the big cat goes back to victory lane at 34 Raceway. Uh, takes the win from the third starting spot, and another $10,000 check goes Brad Sweet's way. Another um, surprising thing, that was his first podium in nine races, too. Yeah, that's 
that that's the crazier part. Not the fact that he went winless for nine races. The fact that he didn't podium for nine races. Yeah. That part's kind of crazy. But the streak ended. Brad Sweet back in victory lane over Carson Macedo, who started on the pole, finished in second. David Gravel started fourth, finished third. Kerry Madsen fourth. Giovanni Selzy in fifth. Gio has had uh, a really strong last like week and a half with the Outlaws. Um, between the week before at Knoxville, I think he had two top fives there. Uh, another top five here. Really strong, uh, strong runs the last few uh, few races for Gio and that eighteen team. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in victory lane at some point this year. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Um, Continuing on through the top ten, Aaron Reitzel finished in sixth, James McFadden seventh, Sheldon Hoddenshield eighth, Donnie Schatz finished in ninth, and Brian Brown rounded at the top ten. Uh, one of the names missing in the top ten, he was not too far back, finished 11th, is Logan Schuhart. Uh, as we look to the championship standings from that night, Brad Sweet uh, went back up 54 points over David Gravel, 64 points over Carson Macedo, 152 back to Donnie Schatz, and 154 back to Sheldon Hoddenshield, who rounded at the top five. Moving on to Friday night, the big night, the one that everyone is going to remember for a very, very long time, uh, was Dubuque Fairgrounds Speedway. Uh, fun little racetrack for the sprint cars to, to put on a show at, and uh, put on a show they did. Donnie Schatz, of course, Mr. 300, gets the victory. Um, James McFadden finished second. Kerry Madsen finished third as he got by Sheldon Hoddenshield uh, on the last lap there. As we said before uh, in the intro to today's show, on that green-white checkered, it was McFadden and Hoddenshield who uh, made it three wide with Donnie to go for the win, and then Sheldon doesn't even end up on the podium there. Uh, Logan Schuhart finished in fifth from 15th, so that's a nice little charge there for the 1S Shark Racing. Uh, Brent Mark sixth, Aaron Reitzel seventh, David Gravel eighth, Brad Sweet ninth, Giovanni Selzy with another top ten run, rounding out the top ten. Brad Sweet with a ninth place run, uh, that is, it sounds bad by his standards, but that is... Um, a heck of a rebound, because in the middle of the race, the Napa 49 was lying on its side. So to finish ninth, that's 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 uh that's one of those nights that you could look at at the end of the year yeah, and be it's like one of those reasons they're a championship caliber team. Yeah, and if he makes it three in a row, that's one of those nights that you can look at and be like, this is why because they minimize a lot of their damage. Uh, one of the mid race restarts, I think it was the restart right after Wayne Johnson went for a tumble down the front stretch. Um, Brad hit one of the infield tractor tires in turn four coming to the green, and it just threw him up on its side. And uh, suddenly the Napa 49 is just laying there on its side in the middle of the front stretch, and you're like, whoa, this is uh, this is going to be a big moment for, uh, for the championship battle. But it wasn't, because as we said, following 34 Raceway, the gap between Brad Sweet and David Gravel was 54 points. Well, the gap leaving Dubuque Fairgrounds Speedway uh, because David Gravel finished ooh, eighth. looking eighth, eighth. Yep. one spot ahead of Brad Sweet, who, again, was lying on his side at the midpoint of this race. Uh, David only gained two points on Brad Sweet. Unfortunately, he probably could have gained more, but he uh, was leading and blew a tire. Yeah. So... Uh, just one of those. I guess you can be happy. He did gain some points, but just probably a little disappointed. It wasn't more. It wasn't as many as much as he expected. Yeah. When when you when you look at the night that the two of them had between again Brad Sweet lying on his side and David Gravel leading as many laps as he did. Uh, he led eight laps on the or nine laps on the night. It had the potential to be a massive point swing, and the fact that it was only a two point loss for Brad Sweet, two point gain for David Gravel. Uh, that's massive as we continue moving forward. It's so funny how we talk about it all the time. Our season is so long, so many races, and yet there's you can pinpoint individual nights and be like, that's what won or that's what lost the championship. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, as we look at the points, leaving Dubuque Fairground Speedway before they headed to Beaver Dam on Saturday night, uh, as we just said, Brad Sweet had a 52-point gap over David Gravel, 76 points over Carson Macedo, so that's another gain there. Uh, as we mentioned at the the start of the show, Carson Macedo um, brought out the caution, slowing to a stop on the back straightaway with one lap to go. Uh, ended up finishing 15th. So again, another person who was looking to potentially make a big gain actually ends up being a big loser was Carson Macedo. He's now 76 back, uh, was 64 back the night before. Donnie Schatz, though, did gain some points. 
He's now just 134 points back on this night. Sheldon Hoddenshield is fifth in points, 144 points back. Now, again, that was all before we headed to Beaver Dam on Saturday night, where Sheldon Hoddenshield goes back to victory lane once again. That was a that was a pretty fun one, right up until Sheldon took the lead about halfway through the race, and then he's like, "Yeah, guys." I'm, and Sheldon I'm just did drive some uh, Sheldon things. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he, he certainly did. Another strong run for Giovanni Selzy. Second place run on Saturday night. David Gravel finished in third. Brad Sweet fourth. Carson Macedo fifth. James McFadden finished in sixth. Aaron Reitzel right behind him in seventh. Donnie Schatz eighth. Logan Schuhart ninth. And Brock Zierfoss rounded at the top ten. Strong run for Brock Zierfoss. It's nice, nice to see them get a top ten. Uh, things just have not gone the way that they expected so far this year. So uh, a tenth place run, something to build off of for them. So now, as we enter tonight... At uh, Houston Speedway, the first night of the showdown, Brad Sweet currently owns a 50-point lead over David Gravel, a 78-point lead over Carson Macedo in third, 136 points to the new fourth-place runner, Sheldon Hoddenshield. Donnie Schatz is now fifth, 142 points back. Logan Schuhart is sixth, Aaron Reitzel seventh, Craig Kinzer eighth, James McFadden ninth, and Brock Zierfoss rounds out the top ten in points as things currently stand before we head to Houston Speedway for two nights of action tonight and tomorrow night. And then, of course, to Jackson Motorplex for the Echo Jackson Nationals. Three nights of action, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Look at that. We're almost we're about halfway through the season, and we still have six drivers less than 200 points behind Brad Sweet. Incredible, right? That's, that's pretty good. I mean, we're shaping up to have a really good battle. Especially the, end of the, year. the fact that, like you just mentioned, Logan, it would be very tough to make up a 190-point gap when you've got guys who are so consistent, like the like Brad Sweet and David Gravel are. But as not good of a season as Logan has had, I mean, it's been a decent year. They've won some races. He's, but... Yeah, even think of, we say kind of bad season, but even if you look at the numbers, he's won two races, and he's tied, for I think, for second for the most top tens this year with like only a couple other guys. It's only a bad it season just shows, because yeah. last year was such a good season yeah. for them, uh, and it shows you just how how good you have to be to win this championship because the, the guys ahead of him uh, are just showing either you have to win a ton of races uh, to make up for some bad runs, like Sheldon Hoddenshield is doing, sitting in fourth on only 136 back, and even Carson Macedo to an extent as well. Or you just have to be the model of consistency, which to be 142 points out in fifth uh, with just one victory on the year is what Donnie Schatz is doing. Right, yeah. There's different ways to do it, but obviously the right way is a combination of both. you got to win and be consistent. And and that's what Pratt Sweet and the Casey Kane Racing team continue to do. Uh, again, we talked about it on last week's show, um, nine Nine races off the podium, nine races without a win, but most of those were still top tens. Yeah, I think there was only maybe one. I think there was two. I think it was a fourteenth yeah, and one or two, or yeah, something that like that outside. But they're, you know, like I said, top tens, top fives, not nothing bad really. So I mean, I think like the way Sheldon ran at Beaver Dam just shows that like if some of these other races where he runs like that, if you can just clean up some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little mistakes or errors, and maybe not even on his part, just but try and clean, make keep that just nice smooth run like that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him have like a twenty win season one year if he can just do that. Uh, you know, I I agree to an extent because if the competition level stays as strong as it is, I don't know how soon we're gonna see another twenty win season out of someone. It's definitely tough. I feel like of. Anybody that can do it, just the way he's always up front and just when he, how fast he is when he is up front, like I feel like he would be the one to have potentially do it. I think that's fair. And and then, you know, let's mark down today's June 21st. We just finished race 33 of 81. Tonight, Monday night, is race 34 of 81. Brad Sweet's already at 10, 10 wins. So it, it's still even possible that he could do it this year. Yeah. And I could just be way wrong and... and, and <laughs> Which we know is 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 a thing that happens. I mean, let's look at all the predictions I made on our preseason special with uh, Johnny Gibson. I've been way off on many of them. Um, I'm looking at you, Brock Sirfoss. I had you as my rookie of the year. You're letting me down, but it's okay because I 
I get it. There's it, a lot of season to go. A lot of season to go. And the, and and this deal's hard. Uh, looking at the lap leaders from Saturday night, Giovanni Selzy led laps one through nineteen. Sheldon Adenshield took the lead at the halfway mark, lap 20, and never looked back. Led the whole rest of the way. Casey Hard Charger Award went to Jake Blackhurst, who gained five spots uh, on the night and finished in the 13th position. So, good for Jake. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, now let's look forward again and look at the end of this week. The Atco Jackson Nationals is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, as we previously mentioned. This event is a special one. It's got its own format. Uh, so we're going to run you through that real quick, uh, which is good because I don't even know what it is, honestly. It, it's I think it's, it's a little different uh, than last year. Something Just something uh, fun and fresh. I think kind of similar to what we did at the one and only at Knoxville. Uh, that seemed to go over pretty well. So I think it's taking a lot of elements from that. It, it, it As I'm reading through it, it does look that way. Um, and I'm only two bullet points in, and I'm already intrigued by it. Uh, so let's get to it. Thursday and Friday nights formats. Qualifying will be one flight. Doesn't matter how many cars show up, they're all qualifying against each other. It will not be split up into two flights. The top 32 cars in qualifying will be inverted into four heats. The balance of the heats will line up behind the inverted cars. The top eight in accumulated points following the heats will transfer into the dash for the night. Drivers will draw for their for their dash starting spots like normal, and the finish of the dash like normal will set the first four rows of the feature. All heat race winners will automatically transfer to the feature like normal as well. Uh, sorry, I, I got distracted there for a minute. Uh, our, our web guy and photographer extraordinaire Chris Owens is making uh, faces at Nick and I through the, the glass window here in the studio. So hi, Chris. Uh, for those that, that don't know, maybe don't follow him on Twitter uh, or, or even do and were confused as to why he ended up in the emergency room this past week. Uh, he had appendicitis, got that removed, his first major surgery that he's ever had. And uh, we're glad to see him back and in the office and in good spirits and in good health. So uh, shout out to him for being a fun dude and being healthy again. Anyway, getting back to the format. Uh, we left off with all heat race winners, like normal, will automatically transfer into the feature. So far, the only thing really different here, Nick, is that uh, there will be an inversion from qualifying for the top 32. Nothing too out of the ordinary, at least, yet. Yeah. There's um, more. There is plenty oh, wait. more. There's more. There's so much more. So, uh, we mentioned that the top eight in points after the dash cars that were not a heat winner will also make the feature. And if a heat winner is a dash car, the ninth in points will make the feature, and so on, if needed. That's a little bit different, obviously. Um, the four heat race winners and the top eight in points will line up in the feature by points behind the dash cars. The last chance showdown and C-Main will be lined straight up by accumulated points. Uh, positions 16 or, or 16 go to the LCS and the balance goes to the C-Main. Uh, the top four from each will advance to the next race. So your top four in a C-Main will go to the back of the last chance showdown. Top four from the last chance showdown will go to the back of the feature. The fastest car that did not transfer will start on the pole of the last chance showdown, which may cause a 21-car last chance showdown, which means Thursday and Friday night, your last chance showdown is going to be a race you are going to want to watch. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be fun. Absolutely. Uh, heat races are 10 laps, the dash is 6, the C-Main is 10, and the last chance is 12. The features on Friday or Thursday and Friday nights will be 25 laps. You with us so far? You with us, Nick? I'm, let's keep going. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Saturday. The top four in accumulative points from Thursday and Friday will lock in to the king of the hill. We'll get to the king of the hill in a minute. A lot of fun. The balance of the field will be split into four qualifiers based off of points. The winner of the qualifiers will join the king of the hill, and then second, third, fourth will transfer to the feature by position. Second in qualifier one starts ninth, second in qualifier two starts tenth, and so on and so forth from there. Positions fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth in the qualifier will transfer to the last chance showdowns by finishing position. The top two in points that did not transfer to the feature will start on the front row of the last chance showdown, once again with the top four finishers moving on to that night's feature. Positions ninth on back in the qualifiers will go directly to the C-Main, which will be lined up by the finishing results in the qualifiers. The top four from that, once again, will transfer to the last chance showdown. We mentioned the King of the Hill. You're probably wondering what the heck that is. Nick, I think you might have a better idea of what exactly the King of the Hill is. So, 
for the t king of the hill. The top four points plus four qualifier winners will make up the king of the hill. All cars go to the infield. No adjustments since, uh, you know, reached the infield. Um, four cars on the clock at a time. Two lap segments. Heat winners will go first. All four at the same time. Uh, top two fastest times move on to face third and fourth in points. Top two from that group will move on to face first and second in points. Final session determines the front two rows. Fastest cars earn pole position. So it kind of sounds like a pole shuffle, except they're not directly racing head-to-head. They're racing with other cars on the track, but against the clock. Right, exactly. I think it makes it um, a little more fun because some obviously the king, the king of the hill one is just kind of racing against each other. It can be fun, but also it can be easily get just get strung out and not really become a race. But when you're racing against the clock, that can definitely make it uh, very inter interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, to give you an idea of the points, points has been mentioned a lot. So I would say kind of similar. In, in a sense, to Chili Bowl, except it's not passing points. Uh, you were getting points based off of where you qualify. So if you if you set Slick Woody's uh, quick time uh, in qualifying on Thursday or Friday night, you were getting 100 points off the bat. If you go on and win your heat race, that's another 100 points. From there, you would be the top points earner. Then you're moving on to the feature. If you win the feature event that night, you're adding another 250 points to your total, which is going to help you going forward on Friday night as you were once again trying to add to your points total Friday, to your points total from Thursday, and then that'll set up where you shake out on Saturday night. Yeah, you you want to be in the king of the hill, for sure. Absolutely. Not just for fun, but for a good starting position, too. Absolutely. Uh, it's a complex format. Um, it's all on worldvaultlaws.com. You can find it there. I'm sure we'll have uh, graphics and uh, social posts to kind of help you keep up to date with what's going on with it, too. Absolutely. Um yeah, like we said, it's a, it's a complex format, but it's fun. You don't have to keep track of this at home. We all will do it for you. <laughs> yeah. we'll, um, we'll calculate the points. Well, I should say, Brandon Walker will calculate the points. Which uh, he so loves. good luck to him. <laughs> and he loves calculating points. Exactly. He lives for it. Uh, so the B-Walks, don't let us down. Uh, you got a lot of people counting on you to get this right. Um, I don't know who came up with this format, but kudos to them, because as complex as it sounds, it sounds like a ton of fun. Uh, and they're I'm, going for uh, $50,000 to win. Yes. And that's where the real fun comes in. Yeah. And uh, even more so, obviously, with this showdown, there's the chance for the $100,000 bonus. So if an outlaw, I think if anybody, if you win, I believe it's Tuesday night's race at Houston, and then the final night of the Jackson Nationals, you can get a $100,000 bonus. Man, that would look really nice going into my bank account. I, I I Except take it. I am not eligible because I don't have a race car, and if I did, I would kill myself. Not like, oh my god, like I have a race car, like I need to go kill myself. Like I would. Just I was gonna crash say maybe we should die. just keep you away from race cars. I don't know if we. Yeah. Need the, no, I just maybe it's just in general. I just know that I would end up crashing and and dying, and it would not be good. And I, I think if, at least a few people would be upset over that. But um, I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this week. This is, <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Um, so uh, I think that was a good place to end now that we've probably uh, thoroughly um, spun your brains uh, like like a washing machine with all of the, uh, the format talk here. But it's a good place to end because uh, we got to go turn this thing over to producer Nick White to get this thing edited and out to you guys right now so you can listen to it uh, before we get to racing at Houston Speedway and Jackson Motorplex for the showdown and the Agco Jackson Nationals. Uh, as always, uh, my name is Rob Lout, and you can, uh, and alongside of me, the PR Nick God, Nick Graziano. And if you're not going to the racetrack this week, you can watch it on Dirt Vision. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll catch up with you later. Bye-bye. Hashtag open red.